0: May God bless you as you watch this week's message. We have been uh, in a uh, in a good series, and I, I want to start by uh, uh, t- sharing this story with you about uh, this man who arrived in 1953 at the Chicago railroad station to receive his Nobel Prize for the Nobel Peace Prize, and so he stopped off the train. and and stepped out, and a tall man with bushy hair, a big, thick mustache, and as the cameras flashed and taking pictures and all these city officials were approaching him, wanting to shake hands with him and hands outstretched, he told them, one second, if you don't mind, please. Would you excuse me a minute? And so he walked through the crowd, and he saw this a uh, black elderly woman at the end of the crowd struggling with two large suitcases and so he picked them up he smiled escorted her to the bus helped her get on the bus and then wished her a safe journey it was at this point that this gentleman whose name is albert Schweizer, for those of you who may be wondering turned to the crowd and apologized for keeping them waiting It is reported that that day one of the members of the reception committee made this statement. That's the first time I ever saw a sermon walking. The first time. Now we've been in a series that's called Game Changers. And over the past three weeks, we talked about three game changers that took place when Jesus was introduced on this planet, when he stepped foot on the earth. We talked about the fact that salvation is one of, if not the greatest, of the gifts that Jesus gave to us by coming to this earth. We talked about the priesthood of believers. And then last week, we talked about grace, his wonderful, amazing grace that is bestowed on us. Now, when Jesus came to earth, the Roman Empire ruled that known world. They were tyrannical, brutish, they were rude, they were relentless. I mean those Italians, right? For the record, I'm not from Rome, just so you know. You see, framed within this political and historical backdrop, Jesus comes in our midst, and he comes among men. And Jesus laid down, the Bible says, his divinity to become human, which meant that at that time in the history of the world, Jesus would have been subject to the same tyrannical rule that the Romans were exercising on all Jewish people. Think about that for a moment. Jesus. The Son of God was not born in a castle surrounded by maids, by maids and servants. He was born in a manger, which in those days we are told was not necessarily what we think a manger was, a nice little pretty uh, box made out of comfortable wood. I don't know. It was carved out of stone. And that baby was placed into this manger, carved out of stone, wrapped into this hand-sewn linens that were made for him as he was being born. And likely, he was not surrounded by dignitaries or kings of other states states or, or countries, but he was surrounded by animals. Jesus came with a mission. Luke tells us that the mission that Jesus came for, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That was his mission. He didn't come to impose his kingdom by force, he came unlike any other ruler on the planet. Jesus did say this. He said, Don't you realize that I could ask my Father for a thousand or thousands of angels to protect us? and he would send them instantly, instantly. Jesus could have eliminated the, 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 uh, 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 all, all of the people that were opposing him and, and, and being over them, but he did not. One key passage in uh, Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28 says this, the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve. It did not come to be served, but to serve. And then the second passage found in Mark chapter 9 and verse 38, 35 says this, sitting down, he called the 12 and said to them, if anyone f- wants to be first, he shall be last, last of all and servant of all. Our final game changer today is servanthood. Servanthood. And Jesus is our first and our primary and really the best example of what a servant is like. Listen to Paul's words in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 6 and 7. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I mean, you could stop right here, guys, and and, and just absolutely say nothing else, and that would suffice because the Son of God, Jesus, who came to be born in this lowly manger, he absolutely had all power and all authority, and he laid that aside. Rather, he made himself nothing By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in likeness, in human likeness. Now, I want you to think about it for a moment. If Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, Lord himself, to being human, to take the form of human, humanity like us, the Son of God, The one that could have called thousands of angels, but did not. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm talking about Jesus. He came as a servant. And he showed servanthood not by teaching only. He showed servanthood by example. What a powerful thing. The word servant in the original means this it means someone who belongs to another to another a bond slave one without any ownership rights of their own think about it for a moment no ownership rights of their own Ironically, that word is also used with the highest of dignities in the New Testament, namely of believers who are willing to live under Christ's authority as his devoted followers. That means that when you and I choose to be followers of Jesus Christ and we humble ourselves to be servants of God, that is the true meaning of that word. It applies to us. Now, servanthood, friends, is a high calling. Jesus came to serve. He came as a servant. And we, you and I, are called to do the same. Listen to John chapter 13, verses 3 to 5. He says this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Amen. I mean all things. That means that he had all power. That means that he had limitless power, guys. That means that God can do anything for your life if you turn to Him and you begin to serve Him with all your heart. God can do anything. Jesus can accomplish any of your prayer requests, any of your dreams, any of the things, aspirations that you have for your life. God can accomplish those for you because He has all power and that He had come from God and He was returning to God. And so... Here's what he did. A man with all power, with all authority, he got up from a meal that had been prepared. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with a towel that was wrapped around them. That is the Son of God that had all power. Now, we have got to understand this. Jesus lived at a time that there were no paved roads, and there were no Hondas and Ford F-150 trucks driving around. There were animals, donkeys, cows roaming the streets and doing their thing on the streets. It would not be uncommon for someone walking to step into some doo-doo. But you know what Jesus did not care. He exemplified the very nature of a servant by washing, yes, washing those filthy feet. What country or political leader do you know of that has ever done that? I don't think there's any president in the history of, of this country that has ever done it. At least none that I know of. I don't know of anyone that has crossed from one side to the other side of the aisle, if you know what I'm talking about, with a basin with water and a towel saying, you know what, we may disagree, but let me wash your feet. I don't think there's any senator, no congressman or congresswoman, there is no president, none that I know of that has ever taken steps to humble themselves and be a servant like Jesus did. Servant leadership, friends, is more than just a cool term. It's not just enough to preach about it and teach about it. We have to live it. And you know what? We talk about sometimes and we say the celebrity culture in the church. But let me just say this. The celebrity culture in our world. Everywhere you go, someone wants to lord it over you and make you feel like you're not as important as the others. And so the celebrity culture itself in our world has permeated every facet of our society. And this attitude has not helped us in perpetrating and in teaching and instructing people to have a servant attitude and a heart that wants to help others. Jesus gave the example to follow. In fact, Even after the resurrection, what did he do? Do you remember that? He met the disciples where on the shore. And what did he do for them? He prepared them breakfast. He prepared them breakfast. What an incredible servant that we can have as an example for our lives. The second thing I want to share about servanthood is that servanthood is part of our identity. Listen, friends, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she called herself a slave. Paul called himself a slave of Christ. Peter, Jude, James, Timothy, and so on and so on in the New Testament, over and over and over again, they exemplify, they they identify themselves as servants of Christ. Jesus, we read in in Philippians 2, verse 7, that he took on human form, became a slave, a servant. And because we are commended to be like Jesus, if we truly desire to be like Jesus, guess what? We have to be servants. You and I have to be servants. We're called to be like Jesus and act like him. In Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, it says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Prefer others above yourself. This is the attitude of Christ. In humility, in humility, not looking to your own interest. Oh, you know what, David? I'm out of here. I, I, I can't look into my, for my own interests. I mean, I'm always told that I should be number one, that I'm important. No, don't look at your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Servanthood, it should be our identity. It should be our identity. Servanthood will reveal what is in our hearts. It will reveal what is in our hearts. The concept of servanthood for some is just that, a concept. Perhaps an abstract concept, but just a concept. We may be able to define it, but when it comes to giving something to others for free, do I have to? Retired General Bruce C. Clark said this, rank is given to is given you to enable you to better serve those who are both above and below you it is not given for you to practice your own idiosyncrasies but you know what oftentimes that's exactly what we do we practice our own authority and being powerful on people because we have absolutely no clue what truly servanthood really 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 means and it means not to lord it over people not to practice your own idiosyncrasies on people but to be humble and gentle and kind and giving being a servant servanthood goes against every natural tendency that we have to care for ourselves. Because you know what? In society, we are taught you first, me first. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Whatever you do, whatever you do. That doesn't mean that you just do what you want to do. It's whatever you do. That means that you can be an incredible mom or dad for God. You can be an incredible worker wherever you do with all your heart. This is not just applied into the church, guys. This is, Jesus did not say, do whatever you do or Paul do whatever you do, and work at it with all your heart in the church. No, he said, for the Lord. And we have not yet understood that the Lord's work is not just what we do in church. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Are you with me? The Lord's work is applied to your life when you are being a good mom, and a good dad, and a good spouse, and a good friend. You know, when we have separated the the, uh, sacred from the non-sacred. But you know, when we begin to serve Jesus, everything becomes sacred. Your life becomes sacred the moment that you say, Jesus, I love you, and I want to follow you. Everything that we do is sacred for God. Matthew 20 and 26 says, whoever wants to become great among you. I mean, if you want to become great, well, then you must be a servant that is the kingdom of God, is the kingdom of opposites. If you want to be great, you have to be a servant. That's what the Bible teaches us. Let me conclude with this. Servanthood is a way to be great in the kingdom. Serving others is the key to greatness In John chapter 13, verses 16 and 17, it says, I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Doing them. That is greatness in the kingdom. As we do the things that the master tells us to do. This means that we give up our own rights for greatness. Our own definition of what we think greatness means. Friends, greatness does not mean accumulating funds in your account, driving a beautiful, perfect car, having a company with hundreds of employees. None of that stuff is absolutely valuable to the kingdom. But being a servant is. It's being satisfied with what God has given you because you realize that everything comes from him. From him. It shouldn't be used for him. It has got nothing to do with what we think that, that, that greatness is like. Greatness is not what is being perpetrated in movies. Netflix will never give you a proper definition of greatness. But this book will. This book will. Following the person who wrote this book will. And that's how we truly understand greatness in a biblical sense. Again, This is the upside-down kingdom, friends. Greatness is achieved through humility. Blogger Stephen Otterburn put it this way. To us Americans, this concept seems a bit strange. You might ask, who would have surrendered his freedom to enter such a relationship? Let me give you the answer. But in fact, you did, he says. When you accepted the lordship of Christ in your life, You serve him by serving others. You serve him by serving others. Albert Einstein, one of the greatest minds that ever lived, said this, only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile. Only a life that's lived for others. Friends, we are blessed beyond our ability to comprehend blessings, if we humble ourselves to serve the one or the ones who have the greatest needs amongst us, then we are acting like Jesus and we're truly being like Jesus. Charles Thomas Studd, or as we know him as C.T. Studd, I'm sure you've read some of his books, he spent his life in a dedicated service to the Lord. He served as a missionary in China, India, and Africa. In 1888, he married Priscilla Livingstone Stewart, and they had four daughters and two sons. Priscilla died in 1929, and CT Charles Thomas he died in, on July 16. 1931, both in Ibambi, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. They gave their life, their life, in serving others. Before passing away, C.T. Studd wrote a powerful poem. I cannot read all of it. It's fairly lengthy. But the part of that poem that is repeated as a it rephrase over and over again, and as a refrain reverberates still today, and these are the words, I'm sure you've heard them before. Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, and it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last I want to ask you a question today. How are you living your life for Christ? How are you a better servant today than you were yesterday? How are you giving your life for the benefit of others? Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.